Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the celebrated podcast that explores your favorite looks in film, television, and fashion history. Through conversations with the fashion world's elite and award-winning hair, makeup, and costume designers on sets around the world, you will see and hear exciting tales from behind the scenes, career origin stories, and tons of advice and tips. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Look Behind the Look. I am excited to announce that this episode is sponsored by Alcone Company. Since 1952, Alcone Company has supplied the professional industry with makeup, tools, and the hard-to-find materials used to create award-winning special effects. The retail store on 49th Street is stocked with all the must-have makeup brands and products used by pros, making it the go-to source for makeup artists and a destination stop for die-hard enthusiasts from around the globe. This is a very special film that we're talking about today. It is Babylon. Yes, Jamie Lee McIntosh is back again on the show. So happy to have her back. She's going to be talking with Heba Thor's daughter to talk about Babylon and their work on it. This film has resulted in no shortage of strong reactions, but no one can deny that it is a must-see. And the makeup and hair are phenomenal. These two are on the Oscar shortlist and the BAFTA longlist for their work in this film, and we talk about all of the challenges that they encountered and how they accomplished their tremendous task of department heading this roller coaster of a film. This year alone, Jamie Department headed the three most talked about films on your list, Blonde, Don't Worry Darling, and Babylon. And she shares so many delicious videos and photos of her process on her IG, so definitely check that out. And I know you probably listened to her wonderful podcast, Last Looks. Heba's career is a tremendous one as well. Department heading for several of Quentin Tarantino's films, Suicide Squad, Ant-Man, she is constantly in demand. So head to her IG as well for some fantastic BTS reels and product reveals. Enjoy this episode, I know you will. What about you? Sorry? If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. I love that answer. Something that lasts, that means something. Something yes. more important than life. Yes. It's written in the stars. I am a star. If I had money, I would only spend it on things that were fun, you know? Not boring things like taxes. I'm just wanting for everyone to party forever. I first moved to LA, signs on all the doors said, no actors or dogs allowed. I changed that. And now, y'all ready for something different? Whoa! You know what we have to do? We have to redefine the form. Map those dreams and print them into history. Look up and say, Eureka! I am not alone. Jamie Lee, you've been shortlisted for the Oscar now for two films, and yes. both of you are shortlisted for Babylon. And so that is where we are as we're recording this. I'm certain there will be a nomination, but we will soon find out, I think, on the 23rd. But um, I, 
two hugely polarizing films, right? Babylon and Blonde that you worked on. And mm-hmm. I I just am curious about, about how you're feeling about every, everything. This is just a feast, a visual feast, Babylon is. And were you surprised at the reactions being so all over the place about the film? I don't think so. Were you here? I mean, I knew that people would love it and then people would be shocked by parts of it and people maybe would be confused a little by it. Yeah. I mean, that's art really. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that exciting to you to sort of push the boundaries like that? Oh, it is for me. Is it? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Every every day on Babylon was a new day. Like you could never just be like, okay, I got this makeup. We, you know, we've done the big scene. It was just like, okay, tomorrow. I know when he's pushing up the, um, oh, so just, I'll just say spoilers. Please don't listen if you care about spoilers um, until you've seen the film. Um, When he's pushing up the, the elephant, up the the circus track I was just thinking about Sisyphus and the filmmaking process and like how this must have felt every single day of you pushing everything uphill where did it start were you eased into this at all or did it start with like the orgy scene I mean where did you guys <laughs> it didn't quite start with the orgy okay stuff, <laughs> it was still wonder... a big day though wasn't it Heba? it was a huge day and um, it's a day where uh, Margot or Nelly is uh, dancing on the bar okay. when it's a movie the within movies. the movie. And so the makeup has to work. Both were black and white. Yeah. She had to cry literally for a day. Yeah. Just over <laughs> and over and over again. And did she, did one she really? Tear. She yeah, really did One that. tear. Come on. I, like, amazing. <laughs> Oh my God. 300 and something episodes on a soap. So I had a fair share of practice (laughs) crying on cue. How? I don't know, mate. I think it's like a muscle. I could say to a director, do you want it on my left eye or right eye? Stop. And tell me the word you want it to drop. And what what is going (laughs) through your head? Like, where does it come from? I don't know. Just honestly, it sounds so stupid and and derivative, but I just think of something sad. (laughs) That scene blew my mind. Yes. She really did that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So so then so then did you you had to touch her up? Was it easy to do between each of those cries? No. <laughs> she had like tons of makeup on. We had to make it waterproof and you know, to have minimal disruption between takes because also when actor is in like a crying mode, yeah. you know, it's like you don't want to disturb that, you know. It's like Marco is one of those actors who's not really method. So it's like he, she can talk between takes and stuff where, you know, some people you have to totally leave them alone. Yeah. But but I don't want to disrupt that. If they want to talk, they can talk. Right. You know, I'm there. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to be the one starting the conversation. So, right. you know, you just kind of sneak in, pretend you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think there was that element too, Heba, that, I mean, even though it's on a set, Mm -hmm. it was literally outside in a dusty, massive open space. So the wind would pick up in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, So Heba was not only dealing with, 
retouching, but also like pretty much like dirty dust storms that yes. were coming through and sticking to everything. Um, so there's like that element on top that you, of course, don't really see. Well, you see it in the film when she arrives to set and she passes past all those people and she's yes. kind of being dragged in and it's just this desolate, dirty kind of field. Um and it got windy. So we were also dealing with the element of just dirt stuck to everything. It's a good thing that Damien kind of wanted everybody to look a little on the grubby side. So mm-hmm. That's a, that is a plus. I remember now, Jamie, when when um, when Jamie was like, Hubba, what dirt are you using on her? And I was like, uh, I'm taking off dirt. <laughs> Oh, it's sitting in the lace. Yeah, it was completely stuck (laughs) in the lace. And I was just like, okay, I need to use the right product to remove whatever it is that Heb is putting in there. I don't want to use something that's counteractive. And so I was just like, what kind of dirt is that? You know, just so I could clean the lace. And she's, yeah, it's au naturel. (laughs) Oh my God. Obviously sticking and grabbing into the lace. So yeah, it was a, it was a battle. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, I can imagine. I can imagine. So so what are some of the key elements to dealing with um, color to black and white like that? Were they two different faces or did you have something that was able to cross over? I had to have something that crosses over. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's it, makeup basically is just highlights and shadows. So I use kind of more natural tones and we used a red that would read on uh, on black and white film as well as kind of a little darker and did, some did reds will it? kind of you disappear mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh yeah we and you know and kind of as the day went along we had to make it kind of more and more waterproof so we were you know using setting sprays and you know it was just kind of like everything I was just like oh my god what did I get myself into <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, Jamie, you had the luxury of having multiple wigs this time, right? Did you? Kind of. Well, okay. no, I mean, she only has one long one and one short one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but okay. I wasn't having to push them in into as many um, shapes and styles. So I was a little luckier there. But um, on the whole film, yes, we had far more wigs. Um, oh, my God. From background through to cast, it was pretty huge. And with the background ones, we were recycling. So if we'd finished with one party, oh, okay. then the wigs would get turned over to be into a different style for the, the next kind of group that'd be washed and reset into something different for the next group to come okay. through. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And and how many extras were in that scene that I'm thinking of the the beautiful uh orgy scene? <laughs> the Wallach party? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Heather, do you remember? Was it like two or three? I think we, we I had no it varied a little bit, but it was about two between two and three hundred, I think, okay. at the time. Like 250, I think, was average for the two weeks. Okay. And also, that scene, like, if there wasn't, like, makeup there, it would look like a tattoo parlor. Really? There's a lot of skin showing. (laughs) Yeah, and they all had markings. Oh, Mm -hmm. God. Like, covered. No. That sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Now, now, uh, did you see, I mean, of course you saw it. I saw that you reposted the uh, Diet Prada's um, comparison flappers as we know them and flappers today. And they have the, 
Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> Can you talk talk to me about the, the flapper that you came up with? Is this were you calling this a flapper look or was this uniquely Damien's look? Like what how did you come up with Margot's wild abandoned look? I think if we used the term flapper, it probably would have been slapped out of our mouths, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my favorite part of the movie is just like erasing all preconceived notions of how good time charleston you know, this was and how they were real people. Just imagine if these were real people that wanted things as badly as we do today. And like, that's never sort of that deep emotion is never, ever, ever thought of when you thought of this time period. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. That's awesome that you picked that up. I love it. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like just a mat. It's like all the preconceived notions that we have of that decade were just completely and instantly wiped. And it was fun to imagine it another way. And you guys did such a good job of that. How did you come up with the, this, what you were going to do? I think it all starts with Damien's script, right? Mm -hmm. And then his, um, his notes and the conversations that we had moving forward. And it was one of the first things I know for both Heber and I, when we first like interviewed with him is him letting us know that it wasn't going to be the normal cliche of what you, you know, think of a 1920s film. He was like, I don't yeah. want to see a sea of bobs. I don't want to see the finger yeah. waves everywhere. And I was just like, this is exciting. Wow. Um, as exciting as that was, it still took me a minute to get my head around it because sure. I just knew that that balance was going to be a difficult thing to kind of maneuver around between makeup like Heber and Mary with costumes just making sure that we get that balance right that we didn't go too far mm. away mm -hmm. or too lean too heavily into the period look so it was right just... because it didn't seem modern you know it was it was contemporary enough to be realistic mm. still I don't I don't know how you did that <laughs> we did it Heber <laughs> It's, it's it, so nice it to get that feedback. <laughs> it was a lot of testing, though. Ah, yeah. okay. What didn't yeah. work? What were you, when you saw it, were you like, oh, we can't do that? We um, had our uh, few favorite looks, I okay. think. Yeah. We, you know, <laughs> like Margot, there's not a bad angle on her. So right. she can carry or sell pretty much anything. And we tried everything, like, I don't know she, you must have had like 66 different wigs that we tried on and not quite first, that many but it was quite different color <laughs> different colors and and things no the color um, he was you know we that's the first thing we worked out was okay. her hair color yeah okay that was the first easy but I think she had done some um red carpet appearance and I saw the hair color and I was just like that that's we need it. to we need to go with that it looks very natural on Margot it looks very believable um we had done a little sleuthing and figured out that in Amsterdam she was going to be quite a dark brunette so we needed that, to go that's in that such direction. a beautiful color yeah that Adruthia did mm. yes that was yeah, beautiful yeah. and then we didn't want to do the super blonde that we've kind of seen Margot with a lot so we right. kind of stayed in that middle territory okay and then yeah we just did everything from like micro bangs and short like bobs like this that were still messy and could get sweaty and all that kind of stuff through to like the long and wavy. And um, we just had a day, Heber and I and Margot kind of trying out a whole bunch of different looks, different makeups, different wigs um, and photographing them all and then sending those to Damien. And then he wanted to put them on camera. 
where in the COVID timeline are you in in this? In COVID, I think was that our it, second? It was that was my second COVID job. Yeah, okay. they, oh, third, my third. Yeah, it was. I think I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I think my third or fourth. I was but, just oh, curious my if you guys job. were able to all be together figuring all of this stuff out and was no, it we had done don't worry darling together okay uh jamie lee and i mm. and then we both went uh on separate jobs and then we came back for this few months okay. later okay but we they waited actually for the vaccinations to come out before they shot it because oh. they knew they couldn't really shoot it without it well yeah, yeah. not that one scene oh my God. <laughs> Just, well, just any of those, you know, there's such big background scenes. It's just like, and if if Damien had compromised and taken them out, it's just like, what would we be left with? Like, you needed those yes. big, beautiful scenes to Absolutely. pull it together. So we were just waiting. I think we, Heba interviewed before COVID, and then I interviewed mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after COVID, kind of the shutdown, um, and then we had to wait for over a year before we started shooting. Ah, so, uh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you had a lot of time to sit and think. Yeah, I know every day you just sat there and you thought about the hair color. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was a lot of back and forth with every, all sure. of a sudden you wouldn't think about it for like, you know, a few weeks. And then Damien would just send a, a massive pile of images through to Heber and I, and then it would get you kind of thinking and digging again and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty tell, cool. tell me about his energy, his creative energy. What is it? In, is it, um, I don't want to say manic, but is it like, <laughs> is it alive and like full or does he sort of, is, is, does he sort of get an idea and stick to it? Is it, what, what type of director is he to work with in the hair and makeup department? He kind of just gives you an idea mm-hmm. and Let's he go. sort of lets you run with it. That's he great. told me uh for example he was like in anything in the makeup if you like with the dirt and the sweat and stuff he was like if you think you have gone overboard then do 20 times more okay so it was that definitely that played out for sure yeah that's great that's great time to acknowledge our amazing sponsor alcone company As a teenager in Portland, Oregon, I had little to no access to professional makeup. I mean, there was the Mac counter at Nordstrom. That was as professional as it got. I was a dancer, and my favorite part of dancing was actually putting on the theatrical and creative makeup. I was the best at it, of course, and so I did everybody else's. And as I grew, I needed to level up my game. Now, I learned about Alcone Company from researching where the Ben Nye kits came from. You remember those. And I can remember being so excited to call the 1-800 number and order that catalog. The catalog opened up a glorious new world to me. When I finally moved to New York in 1999, Alcone was my favorite place on earth. The only place where people spoke the beautiful language of professional makeup. The retail store on 49th Street had this incredible wall of autographs signed by famous makeup artists, actors, and 
celebrity customers. Of course, there was Kevin O'Quan's autograph, and that's an amazing story in itself. It was the place where I could take any creative challenge as I was learning theatrical makeup, and someone would guide me to the tools that I needed because I was a classic fake-it-till-you-make-it artist, and they helped me to make it. Family-owned Alcone Company has been here since 1952, supplying professional industry with makeup, tools, and the hard-to-find materials that are used to create award-winning special effects. And speaking of pros, Alcone Pro is now better than ever. It's offering exclusive discounts to professional makeup artists and students. It's really easy to apply online, really easy. I did it in two seconds. There is no membership fee to join, which is amazing. And once you're approved, you'll save up to 40% when you shop online or shop at the retail store in New York City. For information, visit AlconeMakeup.com. From beauty to bloody, Alcone Company has everything you need. Now back to the show. Let's talk about the um, snake scene a little bit. Can you tell me about that day? What was that like? And and how did you tackle that scene? Well, that was multiple nights. And we kept standing there going, couldn't we have done this on stage? Why are we out in the middle of nowhere right now? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Because it was cold. And she was wearing overalls. That's all yeah, I remember the overalls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then okay, that was an amazing scene. That was that was fantastic. I love it. I that. mean, it was funny to watch. So sure. um I'm glad that the end result was also quite yeah. hysterical. Like I was giggling watching her run around with the snake. And then um Jack <laughs> Conrad getting hit by the car and his <laughs> Yes. <laughs> It was so good. Sorry, it was all very funny. It was entertaining. Entertaining to do it as well. So right, um, right, yeah, yeah. That that was that was amazing. And and how did like how many days did how long did you shoot this? I think all up it was seventy four. Jesus, that was we had a couple of insurance days or something that we went okay. over. It was meant to be seventy one, I think. So, in what ways did you keep your stamina up for this shoot? Was it just that kind of energy? Like you must have just Taylor been... shots, Heather. <laughs> no, <laughs> no right? Uh, a lot of espressos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was such a camaraderie with everyone sure. like, I love working with Jamie Lee and being in the trailer with her we had a great department the actors were amazing mm. so it's like we all had a really good time and we you know I felt very supported by the cast and the crew and you know so it was it was uh you know and it's like Margot is just a dream in the chair Wow. And yeah, she's a trooper too. She just, yeah, she's a machine, like in the best possible way. She just is so professional and so conscious and aware of the departments that need to do their thing. So she'll just stand there, let you, you know, quickly do your thing, and then she'll be off to the next thing that she needs to do. Like it's, it's, she's quite unique. Yeah. That, the whole concept of a, a star being, you know, something you just know when you see it and, and, and how that's perfectly cast for that to express that, because there's just no denying that she is a star, you know, and you don't really, you don't really, is it hard to not like 
go crazy on her, like want to do everything on her, you know, <laughs> want to try absolutely everything? Do you ever have to pull back a little bit? Or um, do you ever say that's too much? She doesn't need that. I wonder what it's like to work with like somebody who's just could be sitting there, you know, blank and sort of, sort of knowing exactly what to do, what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done to somebody like that. I think you've done quite a few extremes with Margot over the over your working career, haven't you, Heba? I mean, you've done like Harley <laughs> yes. Quinn through to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we started with Sharon Tate and that's where you started. To this. That's where you yeah, started. So, wow. but we also going back to, you know, getting her look, um, you know, we did so much testing. Like I bleached her eyebrows. I you did. You know, we, we were like doing all these different things and we first did a a test where it was just Jamie Lee Margot and I Mm -hmm. and so we showed those photos to to Damien and then you know we tried a little bit of 20s makeup we tried you know any length of hair curly straight whatever you know and then he picked a few looks from that to test and then we went out to like Cairo (laughs) yeah (laughs) like it didn't narrow it down very much (laughs) yeah like 15 out of the 20 or whatever (laughs) and so and then we then we started and we and um Mary Sofres was there and, you know, was kind of working out the dress, you know, I think there was like a few different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were all just standing there. I remember Jamie Lee, Mary Sofres and I, we were just like, Oh, he just wants studio 54, <laughs> you know? Okay. And, and I totally. think all three of us kind of took an inspiration from that it was just like the way he she was moving and the way they were shooting it and I think that day was like a key to kind of her look when we it kind of dawned on all of us it's like okay we're not doing a 20s movie we thought we were doing yeah 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 and it gets like you get you, you do all that and then you go and watch it all um, and watch the dailies of it and it's still just talking about the type of director he is with certain things he knows immediately but with Nelly he really took his mm. time finding finding that character it was a lot of discussion and a lot of going back and forth between different hairstyles and different makeup looks and stuff and trying to really find the Nelly that he he had written, I suppose, on the on the page, and that him and Margot had spoken about. So it was, and he knew. I think he gave me his decision. Like I had told him, look, listen, I need you know this many weeks to get a wig made, and we're getting very close to the. I think it was like the last day I'd given him a deadline of like we need a decision, <laughs> like which way are we going? And it was just in the nick of time that he was just like, oh, we're going to do this, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. You're, you're like, I know it's going to be right, but I need to know what it is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure. She was just such an amazing job. So heartbreaking and incredible. Um, I wanted to talk about the, the blackface scene, if you guys don't mind, is that okay? And I just wanted to ask how that came to be and what that was like on set and, and how you guys developed and executed that. It was uh, definitely one of the most intense days I've ever sure. had on a set. And 
and for many reasons. And um, and Jovan was incredible with it. And you know, it's like when you read a script, and it's like, and he even said like it's like you read it and you don't think about like you know it's like this little snippet in this amazing story and then you're shooting it and he has to sit there for in it for like three days so yeah so that was really intense and he was just incredible it was just that i think damien really wrote an interesting scene where everything that I needed as an actor was on the page and it was in the moment. And I think to be able to sit as Sydney and understand that like I have a responsibility to get this film made for all of these people and to kind of step away from being selfish, which I think thus far Sydney was like just kind of going and kind of be like you said, a bystander of this moment. He just, he really had to make a choice that I'm going to do this this one time. And after that, I've had enough of it and I got to walk away. And, you know, we did some tests before we ordered, we actually had um, had a real Stein's corking. That's actually what's in there, okay. like um, from like the 20s or 30s. And that we got on eBay, I ordered some props, ordered some, we worked very closely with them uh, for a lot of different scenes uh, to have period correct makeup. And, um, and we ordered uh, whatever we could find on eBay so um, he could have one at home. He wanted to just kind of work with it, feel mm. it, and kind of just not get comfortable with it. But of course, kind of just understand what's yeah, yeah, what he's working with. And um, and so he, um, you know, so it is the real thing that he's using there. Mm. And um, so, but we also, for like, you know, he starts applying that, but we also had to work out a color where he is in this bright light uh, on stage. So we airbrushed him for that. Okay. And so we had to kind of match that, which we, you know, just for it to, because the steins, it would, first of all, it would all sweat off. Mm-hmm. And it also didn't look dark enough under under the the bright lights we were using on him. Wow. Okay, that was so important and so brave. I feel like I. I what absolutely? Was, I don't. I feel like nobody's talking about this scene. <laughs> I don't know. It's. Uh, it's I know. I guess we don't know how to talk about it. Is understandable it's we don't know how to talk that's why I wanted to bring it up because you know the more we see things like this or it's just so important to understand that that was part of history and we have to talk about it and you know to see why we don't do that anymore yeah Um, Yeah. I mean you can without Jovan even saying anything you can just see it in his eyes like oh my god he smashed it it was incredible it was amazing I got the opportunity to see this in the beautiful Paramount screening room, you know, and everybody was very actively watching the film, do you know? And like, there was applause after, and I felt like, you know, it was just like, you know, just like being at Cannes, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and everybody, it was just, you could hear a pin drop and everybody was gasping at the end of that scene. And it was, it was really heard, you know, um, in the room, which, 
it's such a shame when people watch these things alone, you know, and they break it up and they, they don't see it in the theater. I think if you guys who are listening and watching have the chance to see this, I know some places like the Alamo are showing it on 70 millimeter, um, you know, definitely it's something to experience with an audience because all of the themes are really important. And I, I wanted to ask you too, what, what the movie meant to you, you know, everybody is always trying to demystify it and, and say what it means and what the themes are. And it's a love letter to filmmaking, but, but what do you want to get the, what do you want the audience to get the most of when they see this film? I feel like it, you know, I, I'm from Iceland and like kind of when I go back home and I with my friends who have nothing to do with the business, it's kind of hard to talk about what I do mm-hmm. because I don't even know where to begin to explain it. Yeah. And I feel like this movie, I'm like, okay, this is what right. I do. <laughs> you know? And I feel like it really kind of shows, even though Babylon, even though it's sort of set in in the 20s and 30s, it is really, Babylon is a timeless story. And the good and the bad of it. And it just keeps repeating itself. And it is definitely happening today. It, this is exactly, you know, how they made it in the 20s is how we're still making it. Mm-hmm. And and we're all laughing at the scene where they don't have the air conditioning and all that. And I'm like, it's most amazing. of the time we don't. We just don't have to have the camera in a box anymore. Nobody dies. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You have nobody but dies. it is like this. Yeah. Yes. There's, uh, there's always a challenge of that magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think when I when I read it, I was just so excited to see it because I was just like, oh, my God, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. And I think I just want people to see it on big screen. I think it deserves, it is a film. It is shot on film. It needs to be seen in a cinema Um, just to enjoy the, the ride, go on it, see the art, the, just the expression of uh, just, just beauty and crazy and weird and wild. And like, sometimes it's sad and, um, and I mean, when I watched it, I didn't realize that there was all this stuff at the end, spoiler, um, Mm -hmm. of showing, going through Mm -hmm. the history of film and everything. And I sat there and I have to say, I was so incredibly proud that I'm part of that industry. I was like, that's me. I'm part of this. Oh, wow. My work is going to be lasting forever, just like Jack Conrad's. I mean, he's on the screen. The actors are on the screen, but it's still our work that is included in that and it's so cool that Damien just put a massive spotlight on our industry like it's so exciting (laughs) that is so beautiful oh yes they um the ending was very emotional wasn't it I mean it Mm -hmm. was it three minutes or something it was I feel like it was a very long time I'll have to watch again and see um maybe I'll go see it in the 70 millimeter um (laughs) oh lastly I can't leave out Toby Maguire, can we talk about this? What? How did this? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> what happened here? What? Spider Man turned creepy. <laughs> no, my son is so funny. He's like, "Did you see this movie Babylon?" I was like, "I did," and he was like, "What happened to Spider Man? <laughs> Does he really look like that?" 
That's Toby oh, without oh. any makeup. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. No. We just we just put uh, him on set, put him in front of the camera. Oh yeah. <laughs> what, what was this based on, and how how did this happen? Uh, it's definitely inspired by Death of Venice, okay. and I don't know where or why, but Damien <laughs> wanted to. Um, he definitely wanted to have his phase inspired by that in the last scene in the blockhouse and but our challenge was to have it lead up to that because when oh. we first meet him he didn't want his face really white and he was okay. like how do we do this how do we make this work in a continuity and I was like, well, in the movie, what I love about Death in Venice is is kind of the suspension and 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 kind of um, when he's looking around and looking in the alleys and stuff, and suddenly he starts seeing kind of the white face on people, and mm. and it's just kind of a flash. So it, it's kind of like, did I see it or didn't I? Oh, cool. So that's what inspired me for that. Uh, first scene when we meet him and um, and I you know I just thought of it which is what we do is like you know we know these people didn't bathe every day and stuff so I was like he could have been at the blockhouse one or two days before and he doesn't wash his face so it's just kind of faded down Ugh. and um, and so you know and then Damien also wrote in the, where he takes off his compact and starts applying the makeup when they're right, the right, 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 right. So, blockhouse look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this Halloween, the blockhouse look. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, Linus, uh, our DP, he he said that he was instructed by Damien not to move into his close-up till he was like at his creepiest and we could see the teeth and everything and it's all its glory <laughs> oh my god yeah so we were kind of seeing it as um oh, i forgot i'm so sorry i forgot the actor who's our hero um diego name. calva thank you diego calva diego calva diego calva <laughs> what a dream oh my god it, it what a Incredible. fantastic actor so we're we're totally in his mind we're seeing this as he's seeing it yeah that was effective that was amazing and yeah. jamie jamie how did what did you what part did you play in in toby's transformation how did he feel about this becoming this person he loved it right yeah i don't think he even knew about this uh <laughs> when he first came for the test until it's happening <laughs> Um, but he was a total sport. He just went with it. He was like, oh, okay, oh, that's great. let's do this. <laughs> and he just went for it. Yeah, I think um, our notes were a little more simple. It was just mm -hmm. like we, he was one of the guys that we were um, kind of, it was Damien was okay for us to give him a really sleek, dapper kind of hairstyle because I guess it kind of um, it almost is a balancing act with that makeup so we didn't want to go crazy with his hair like it's just like keep it simple keep it in the period um yeah so yeah. that's pretty much it was a, that was that was he was one of the easy ones for us you're like I got other stuff to stress out about today this one, <laughs> yeah. this one, I got a lot on my to-do list so you good Toby good nice <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Huba take this one so um 
and you, you both worked on Don't Worry Darling as well, right? So what a contrast, yes. right? With like the glamour of all this. And then, you know, I, did you think for a second, like it would be in similar worlds uh, until you got the memo or no? No. Okay. I yeah. I, did, I, I feel like I knew enough about Babylon before okay. I started. Don't worry, darling, to know that they were very I didn't know if it was different. a surprise or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. Good, good, good. <laughs> well, ladies, I am so rooting for you. I, I really loved the, your work in this movie is is fantastic and it always is so I'm just really honored that you guys spoke to me today and I wish you luck in this crazy awards hustle <laughs> and on your next project <laughs> yeah you. enjoy awesome. it all you deserve it and I will look forward to talking to you about the next movie Cool. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you. Look Behind the Look is a Vinyl Foot production written by me, your host, Tiffany Bartok. Produced by Jace Bartok, edited by Nicole Tucker. If you're interested in learning more, find our video version on the YouTube channel, Look Behind the Look Podcast. There you can see rare photos and clips from our guests. And please follow us on Twitter at Look Behind Pod and Instagram at Look Behind the Look. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.